Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Bill's Facebook Live Studies. We are looking through the Daily Bible edited by Ethelgard Smith. Hope you've been following along with that. You're well into reading through the Bible in a year if you have. Hopefully you've done that. If not, remember I always say read today's reading first. And so look down and figure out what day it is, which today is August the 23rd. I had to check and make sure I had that right in my mind. And remember that uh, read today's reading, which is difficult reading in times uh, in this section, but still a very big part of the Word of God and very strong messages much needed for us today uh, to remind us of how serious it is to be obedient to God. This is a very dark time in the history of God's people. They have been um, they have been threatened time and time again by the prophets that if you don't straighten your life out, the Lord is going to come and it's not going to be pretty. And uh, they should have known better as we're going to see today, but uh, we'll, we're going to look at several passages uh, from uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. But let's set the stage for a moment, shall we? Um, and uh, this is a time where you're seeing the final kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. Remember a brief, quick update history um, during the time of the United Kingdom when Israel kept asking for a king after the time of the judges. God gave them one, the best man around, King Saul, a descendant in the tribe of Benjamin. Also, Paul the Apostle is a Benjamite as well. Saul was faithful for a little bit, very humble when he first became king, but quickly uh, disintegrated into a very proud, very arrogant, very selfish, uh, disobedient king. And so God rejected him, got a man after his own heart, King David, and promised David that he would always have someone to sit on the throne in Jerusalem if the people would just remain faithful. And uh, sure enough, David, very imperfect, as you know, and yet had a heart after uh, God and his word and his will and a love for God, a love for his people, and a love for God's word. And so uh, David uh, reigned for a while, and then his son Solomon reigned for a while, and then Solomon's son Rehoboam came along, and instead of listening to the advice of his uh, elders, he listened to some of his young friends, and it ended up splitting the kingdom. And the northern tribes, uh, 10 of the 12 tribes, uh, decided that they would make Jeroboam their king, no relation to Rehoboam, of course. And uh, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, a descendant of David, continued to reign in Jerusalem in the tribes of Judah, uh, through whom Jesus would be descended, and the tribe of Benjamin were faithful and loyal to the line of David. And so the northern kingdom of Israel and its capital, Samaria, just wicked from the start, disobedient from the start. Uh, good luck finding a righteous king there. God sent his prophets to them at times through the decades. And they would not turn, and so the Assyrians in the 8th century B.C. came and took them away into captivity, threatened Jerusalem and Judah as well. But because of the wonderful preaching of men like Isaiah and, and because of a faithful king in Hezekiah, they were saved, but only for a while, and now we're there. Now this is the time when the Babylonians, now the world empire, had taken over from the Assyrians. The Babylonians are threatening uh, Judah and Jerusalem. And so they have begun to lay siege to Jerusalem. They've already begun to take its citizens into captivity and exile, as we have seen. If you've been doing your reading, uh, in 605 BC, there is the first deportation. There are three of them, three main stages. Uh, and that first one takes all the best, including the king and Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
we've introduced ourselves to them, and we're going to read more about them uh, in a couple of weeks or so. Uh, and then in 597 BC is what is called the Great Deportation, where 10,000 Jews, including Ezekiel um, and King Jehoiachin, are taken into uh, captivity. And uh, and we've been reading from Ezekiel. And then finally, in 586 BC, Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls are breached. The uh, temple is Solomon's grand, beautiful temple that he dedicated with such a beautiful, wonderful prayer. Our Donnie Carnathan has spoken about that uh, recently, uh, just a marvelous prayer of dedication. Uh, and yet uh, they were, it was destroyed completely and taken into exile by the Babylonians. Well, we're not quite there yet. We're just a couple of years away uh, from that, actually. Where we are right now is just uh, during that siege uh, that the Babylonians have starving uh, Jerusalem out until they can finally overtake them. And so Ezekiel and Jeremiah are the prophets that we're in the midst of, and they've been talking about all of this. Hezekiah, um, Habakkuk is another prophet. We've already seen his story. Uh, great study there, only three chapters, but a wonderful, wonderful, incredible story. But Jeremiah continues to preach for decades in Jerusalem until he is taken against his will to Egypt. Ezekiel, on the other hand, as I said earlier, he is one of the ones that's taken to Babylon in that second uh, deportation, the great one that takes uh, 10,000 of the Jews. And Ezekiel is receiving his call and his prophecies while he is in exile in Babylon. And some of the things that we read about that, I, that Ezekiel sees is really kind of incredible. God even tells him about the siege, and he tells him when Jerusalem falls. It's an amazing thing that he gets that message uh, from God in Babylon. Jer uh, Jeremiah continuing to preach and prophesy in Jerusalem, and he's finding it very tough going because he keeps saying, as you've seen and as you've read, look, this is from God. We're not going to win. It's time to surrender. It's time to lay down our arms. It's time to lay down our swords. It's time to wave the white flag and surrender because God is not going to allow us to be victorious. Our sin has come up before him too great, and he's done. He's done. He's not giving up on us completely. We'll read some of that today as well. Um, so that's where we are. The final kings of Judah, Josiah, was the last righteous one that we found. And then he is followed by a few of his sons and one of his grandsons. Uh, three of his sons, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and uh, Zedekiah, are the ones that are become king. One of his grandsons, the son of Jehoiakim, and his name is Jehoiachin, he is taken to Babylon and ultimately is actually shown some uh, kindness. Zedekiah is the son of Josiah, the king who is um, the king of record when um, the Babylonians come in and, and take over Jerusalem. And he has a, a horrible, horrible uh, fate, as we'll read about in the weeks ahead when we read about the fall of Jerusalem. It's a very tragic and, and very hard story to read. But today I want us to, uh, I want us to look at some of the things that uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah are saying. Remember, Ezekiel is, is saying the things that he says in Babylon. He's there with the exiles. And so as he preaches and does all the things that God would have the Old Testament prophets do, they would, they would use their lives. God would use their lives as symbols and as part of the message. Uh, interestingly enough, 
And so we're reading about that in Ezekiel. I want us to read, first of all, from Ezekiel chapter 23. Ezekiel chapter 23 is, again, these are hard messages to hear and to read. But they're very strong because the situation demanded it. The Israelite sin had uh, had reached its fruition where God had said enough, enough. And he was trying to communicate to them what was about to happen and why, and why. And what was about to happen is the Babylonians were going to defeat them. And the reason it was happening was simply not because of the Babylonian skill and power and greatness, but rather it was because of the sin of God's people the southern kingdom of Judah, including all of its leaders, its kings, and its prophets and priests there in Jerusalem. There were a lot of false prophets that were saying things against Jeremiah, threatening him and, and seeking to uh, get him in trouble, as we've seen, because they were saying, look, we're, we don't believe you that, uh, that we're going to lose. God is on our side. He's always been on our side, and he's going to come through for us just like he came through in the days of our ancestors of old. And Jeremiah says, well... That's just not true. It's just not true. Not this time. And in chapter 23 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel says, this is what's going to happen. And God has Ezekiel tell about two sisters. Um, and uh, one of them represents the northern kingdom of Israel, and one of them represents the southern kingdom of Judah. And the one that represents the older, the um, uh, northern kingdom of Israel is Ohalah. And um, Ohaliba is Jerusalem. And so you have one that's Israel and its capital, Samaria, and one that's uh, Judah and its capital, Jerusalem. And the older one is evil and wicked and a prostitute and horrible, and God uh, causes her to fall to her enemies. And uh, unfortunately, the other sister doesn't learn the lesson. And she follows her into the same kind of lifestyle, the same kinds of things that she had done, and so what God tells her, representing Judah and Jerusalem, is that the same fate awaits you. Listen to these words in Ezekiel 23, beginning at verse 32. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You will drink your sister's cup, a, a cup large and deep. It will bring scorn and derision, for it holds so much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of ruin and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. You will drink it and drain it dry and chew on its pieces and you will tear your breasts. I have spoken, declares the sovereign Lord. Therefore, verse 35, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Since you have forgotten me and turned your back on me, you must bear the consequences of your lewdness and prostitution. The idolatry and immorality that the Jews were showing before God uh, is called many times in the Old Testament spiritual adultery and prostitution. And that's what they had done. They had prostituted themselves after other gods that were not gods at all, even though from the beginning God had warned them. Even in the times of Moses, God had warned them to not take on the gods of the people around them, and yet they refused to listen. And so that's where we are. Ezekiel continues in chapter 24, and he has a, uh, some interesting things to say. In Ezekiel 24, God gives Ezekiel a vision of what's going on in Jerusalem. Ezekiel 24, verse 1, In the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth day, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, record this date, this very date, because the king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. 
This is when we're in just a couple of years or so before Jerusalem is going to fall. And God tells Ezekiel what's going on. And then he continues in verse 3 with this interesting analogy or vision. Verse 3, tell this rebellious people a parable and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, put on the cooking pot, put it on and pour water into it, put into it the pieces of meat, all the choice pieces, the leg and the shoulder, fill it with the best of these bones, take the pick of the flock, pile wood beneath it for the bones, bring it to a boil and cook the bones in it. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the city of bloodshed. And he's not talking about Babylon or Samaria um, or Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. He's talking about Jerusalem. Woe to the city of bloodshed, to the pot now encrusted whose deposit will not go away. Take the meat out piece by piece in whatever order it comes. For the blood she shed is in her midst. She poured it on the bare rock. She did not pour it on the ground where the dust would cover it. To stir up wrath and take revenge, I put her blood on the bare rock so that it would not be covered. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, verse 9, Woe to the city of bloodshed. I too will pile the wood high. So heap on the wood and kindle the fire. Cook the meat well, mixing in the spices and let the bones be charred. Then set the empty pot on the coals until it becomes hot and its copper glows, so that its impurities may be melted and its deposit burned away. It has frustrated all efforts. Its heavy deposit has not been removed, not even by fire. Now your impurity is lewdness because I tried to cleanse you, but you would not be cleansed from your impurity. You will not be clean again until my wrath against you has subsided. I, the Lord, have spoken. The time has come for me to act. I will not hold back. I will not have pity, nor will I relent. You will be judged according to your conduct and your actions, declares the Sovereign Lord. What a, what a difficult, difficult time. What ominous words. I will not relent. I will not take pity, God says. It is time for punishment. Um, and there's an even greater um, uh, analogy or, or uh, parable that happens in Ezekiel's life, not just in his words with this story of the cooking pot and the bones that are the meat that's in it, but his wife dies and God says, I am going to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Verse 16, son of man, with one blow, I'm about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Yet do not lament or weep or shed any tears. Groan quietly. Do not mourn for the dead. Keep your turban fastened and your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your mustache and beard or eat the customary food of mourners. So I spoke to the people in the morning and in the evening, my wife died. The next morning I did as I had been commanded. There are a lot of questions I have about certain Bible stories. This is certainly one of them. Why would God use this to describe this message? And yet we know that that uh, we don't know the circumstances of Ezekiel's life. Could be that she was already ill and uh, passed away, but not necessarily. In fact, I'm not sure that that would be consistent with the gravity of the situation and what Ezekiel is told to do. And even though he loses the delight of his eyes, his wife, he is told not to mourn because it's a message, it's a symbol, it's a parable for the people to look at Ezekiel and see um, we're not to mourn the destruction of Jerusalem. The people of Jerusalem are getting just exactly what they deserve. 
and God is just in bringing this about. It's something that was very hard for Habakkuk to hear in Habakkuk chapters 1 and 2 when God said, look, I'm bringing in those ruthless, pagan, uh, cruel, arrogant Babylonians to come and punish my people, uh, the Israelites. And Habakkuk said, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't use a less righteous nation to punish a more righteous nation. That doesn't, that, that's not right. That's not fair. And God says, well, Habakkuk, you're just going to have to accept this by faith. And that's kind of what Ezekiel is telling the people through his life and through this image that God has uh, is, is communicating to them, just like Ezekiel's uh, wife has died, his stronghold, the delight of his eyes. God is losing his bride, his wife, his, his delight, the people of God. And, um, and it is because of their sin. Well, let's move forward to uh, Jeremiah. Uh, if you turn to Jeremiah chapter uh, 21, we're going to read a little bit from chapter 21 and about what's going on at the time. And, um, and we're going to try to include a, a little bit of, <laughs> this is hard for me to do, this, this continual bad news. And it's difficult for me to just do one 20 or 30 minute lesson with all bad news. But think of Jeremiah and Ezekiel who did this for, for, for decades, for decades. And that's why Jeremiah in chapter 20 said, I quit. And that's why the people who were listening to him for all this time saying, it's time to surrender, it's time to give up, uh, tried to kill him and, and ended up putting him in a, a, a cistern that had no water and ultimately took him against his will to Egypt. Um, but in Jeremiah 21, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent to him Pasher son of Micaiah, and the, and the priest Zephaniah, son of Messiah. They said, Inquire now of the Lord for us, because Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is attacking us. Perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us as in times past, so that he will withdraw from us. So they're not, they're not just asking Jeremiah, uh, Inquire of the Lord what he wants us to do. No, no. <laughs> they're, they're, they're trying to do what happened back in uh, the Old Testament times when they would call the prophets in to curse their enemies. Uh, we saw that in the days of Balaam and Balak and Moab. Um, but in this case, they're just asking Jeremiah to inquire of the Lord and, uh, and get him to deliver us. Verse three, but Jeremiah answered them, tell Zedekiah, he's the king, the last king of the, Jew, of the Jews in, in Jerusalem. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I'm about to turn against you the weapons of war that are in your hands, which you are using to fight the king of Babylon and the Babylonians who are outside the wall besieging you. And I will gather them inside this city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a mighty arm in furious anger and in great wrath. So instead of God saying, okay, I'll deliver you, he says, no, I'm going to be the one that's fighting you. Verse 6. I will strike down those who live in this city, both man and beast, and they will die of a terrible plague. After that, declares the Lord, I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials, and the people in this city who survived the plague, sword, and famine into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and to their enemies who want to kill them. He will put them to the sword. He will show them no mercy or pity or compassion. And then verse 8 of Jeremiah 21 very stark words. Verse 8, furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. See, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. 
Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging you will live. They will escape with their lives. I have determined to do this city harm and not good, declares the Lord. It will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will destroy it with fire. Moreover, say to the royal house of Judah, the king, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you, house of David. Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. I am against you, Jerusalem, you who live above this valley on the rocky plateau, declares the Lord. You who say, who can come against us? Who can enter our refuge? I will punish you as your deeds deserve, declares the Lord. I will kindle a fire in your forest that will consume everything around you. The king and his family will not be spared. And we'll read about that, but it's a horrible, horrible uh, thing that the Babylonians do to the king and to his children. Um, and God says, Look, far be it from me to deliver you. I'm the one that's punishing you. Uh, I'm going to send all kinds of evil, a plague, pestilence, famine inside the walls. And then when there are only survivors from that, then I will uh, send the Babylonians in through the walls and through the gate. And they will kill off everyone that remains in the city. The only choice you have if you want to choose to live is to surrender to surrender is what Jeremiah had been saying all along. And so that verse, verse 8, is just an incredible verse. Uh, Tell the people, this is what the Lord says, See, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. And it reminds me so much of Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just as in the days of Jeremiah, God is setting before us today, the way of death, and the way of life. We get to choose. In Jeremiah's day, they could choose to surrender and live. The choice to fight and win and be victorious was not given to them. That was impossible because of their sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Even during that time, he provided a way out for them to live, to escape with their lives but they refused. They refused. Instead, they punished the messenger. They punished Jeremiah for speaking the word and will of the Lord. It's just an incredible thing. I set before you two choices, the way of life and the way of death. In chapter 32, Jeremiah continues this message and Um, We're going to be looking at uh, some messages of hope on Thursday. So I hope you'll hang in there with me. The great Jeremiah chapter 31 and uh, and Jeremiah chapter 32 and 33. And so I want us to um, end today with these words from chapter 32. uh, Just telling about this story. Basically what happens is Jeremiah is told, "I, uh, I want you to buy a plot of land. Uh, you're going to have a, a relative, and I want, you to, I want you to buy a plot of land. Um, in verse 3 of Jeremiah 32, Zedekiah, king of Judah, had imprisoned Jeremiah there. Jeremiah was basically under house arrest in the courtyard of the royal palace. Why do you prophesy as you do, the king asked him. You say, this is what the Lord says, I am about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. 
Zedekiah, king of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into the hands of the king of Babylon and will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. And if you've read ahead, you know that one of the things that the king does is he uh, takes out Zedekiah's eyes, but only after he has seen him. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon, where he will remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against the Babylonians, you will not succeed. And so dark, dark messages of gloom and defeat. And yet there's this statement, there's this situation beginning in verse 6 of Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle, is going to come to you and say, buy my field at Anatoth, where Jeremiah is from. Because as nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Now, why would God tell Jeremiah that? <laughs> Jeremiah knows exactly why. And so when Hanamel, his uncle, comes, he buys, he offers to sell him his land, uh, probably at a really good price because everything was going to pot there. And Jeremiah buys it, and they fill out the paperwork, as it were, and God says, okay, put it in a clay pot. Put it in something that's going to last a long time. Give it to your friend Baruch, who will be, uh, uh, who has been by Jeremiah's side. And uh, tell him to save it and to keep it because one day I will bring my people back. One day they will come back. One day they will be buying a property and selling a property. One day the crops will grow again. One day um, there will be singing and joy in the streets of Jerusalem. That day is a long way away. Jeremiah has told them 70 years, 70 years before this happens. But right now, God promises it in a very concrete way. Jeremiah wants you to buy some land. That's how sure God's word is. Yes, it looks very dark right now. But God promises, I will bring the righteous back. I will bring them back. And we're going to see some other stories and some other parables about that. The good guys, God will say, are the ones who are in Babylon, the ones who surrendered. The ones who will face death and destruction and punishment are the ones who refuse to hear my word. I am setting before you two ways, two paths, the way of death and the way of life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about the promises of restoration and hope that Jeremiah and Ezekiel uh, get to share. Uh, we'll do that on Thursday at 3. God bless you. I'll see you then.